Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I feel very passionate about Spider-Man right now. Uh, I am Luke Bailey, and I am a little cold because it's at that point point of the year where I can't quite figure out like how where my heating should be. Oh. So I'm getting it wrong a lot. So I mean, they're very hot or very cold at the moment. It's very feverish in the UK in the transition months. It's uh, it's very unclear wh- how many layers you should wear or how much heat you should have on. or It's just very confusing. Sometimes, sometimes in the same walk, I'll leave and I'll be like, yes, this is good. I've nailed this. And then f- 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I fucked this up. That's, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Content Minds. Uh, this week we are going to be talking about cryptocurrency. Uh, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, we're gonna go. We're finally gonna do it. We're crossing the Rubicon. We're becoming a crypto show. We actually uh, have our own crypto coin. Uh, we should. It's called Content Coin. The more con- the more content you consume, like like rather than ma- ma- most cryptocurrencies rely on you cracking algorithms, right? But ours is just about how much content you consume. The more content you consume, the more likely you are to get. A bit, a, a content coin out. I mean, that is actually not super far away from how it already works. Um, I also, yeah. speaking of which, I found a place that is like Reddit, but upvotes translate into crypto. That's fun. Yeah. Anyways, that's before we sure. get into okay. all of this, let's talk. We should talk about Spider Man. Well, Luke, how was the internet this week? Uh, the internet was. I mean, okay. I think this is. We always talk about this as though the internet is one place. The internet in the UK, I feel like, has been a bit different to the internet. In the US, why is because that? Because we have, well, we have had an announcement of of what's happening next with the pandemic. Like we know for the first time, roughly what the next four months going to look like, and every British person knows the next time they are going to be in a pub. You already look better and happier than you've looked <laughs> in a year. Like I, there's a noticeable energy difference to you right now, and I and I'm I suspect a large part of it is because you you know when you're going to be in a pub again. I have not been in a pub since last March, and the worst part of this is that the last pub that I was in was a bad pub. Which pub was it? It was not a pub that you would have known. It's a pub called the Greyhound in High Street, Ken. But it was you know it was a pub near work, and we went there as kind of like a last thing, but. It was that weird period before it, before the first lockdown, where I was like, I don't really want to go to the pub to have a last drink because that feels <laughs> a pre a pre lockdown pub visit is very British though. It's very bleak. We'll get but one also in, It feels you know? very yeah. It counters the spirit of it, and I was like, you know, it was actually the last time that I went genuinely, and then I was like, you know what, that's it, I'm done. But yeah, no, it was an awful pub, and therefore I've not been to a pub since yeah since last March, which is the longest time possibly in like my life including <laughs> including periods of like when i was a kid because my parents would go to the pub and like, you know put me in like a fucking high chair or whatever yeah i haven't been inside a pub in a year uh, a mutual friend of ours uh posted a photo of a establishment in london called rowan's uh and if people aren't familiar everyone posted photos of rowan's so- i don't like it's it's ins- it's like everyone has forgotten like all the pubs they went to, and it's. I think I might fly to the UK to go to Rowan's. I think I might literally fly to go. So if you're listening to this and you don't know what Rowan's is, it's a really special place. 
you pay three pounds to get in and it, it's basically Chuck E. Cheese. Um, it is a two stories of bowling alleys, but then surrounding the bowling alleys is a dance floor and a bar that serves like the cheapest, shittiest alcohol possible. There's also a giant arcade and then lining the walls of the bowling alley are clear glass karaoke rooms. And it is, it is the shittiest, most amazing place in the whole world. And seeing photos of it on my Twitter feed, like hurt me physically. Like it physically pained me. I miss it. So but here's, here's where this gets complicated though, because Rowan's as a club and nightlife venue can't open until June the 21st, but it's also an indoor sports venue, Oh, which means it could potentially open, I don't know, April the 12th. Oh, wow. How do, what is what is Rowan's? What is like, Rowan's? Yeah. I want Boris Johnson personally to rule on, on what Rowan's. I want him to define what Rowan's is. I want him to try because it's it's an incredible space. It's 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 a truly yeah. magical place. Yeah, but uh, it, yeah, the thing of that everyone came across was that everyone's talking about Rowan's and I feel like everyone may have forgotten every other pub exists because everyone's like where where do we go? Rowan's? Rowan's is the only place anyone can remember. It's been so long. But Rowan's is also the only like nightlife venue in the UK, I would say, the entire country of the UK, where everyone can agree, like, yeah, that's pretty good. P- quite possibly. <laughs> but I just, you know, it's it's looking this far ahead, and the idea that, you know, restrict, there's a point at which restrictions will go, and clubs and places that open, like, past midnight will reopen, and it will reopen on the same night across the entirety of the country. Oh, my God. What date is that? Like, June the twenty first. Oh my! Like there will be deaths. <laughs> there like, will be deaths. deaths. <laughs> like more, more deaths than this happened from COVID. Look, I mean, this isn't even for the show right now. But like, if I can get into the country for June, I'm I'm coming in. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm pretty sure you won't be allowed in, or, or you'll have to do like a fourteen day quarantine. I will take. It might be what it might be worth. I it. would take a fourteen day quarantine just to see what <laughs> British people do once lockdown is lifted. I would be desperate to see that. Also, there is an England game the next day. Oh my god, you're all gonna die! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, you're. I, no one can see you right now, but you're practically giddy. Like, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, it's gonna be awful. I'm so looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, I cannot wait to watch the the complete uh, just mess that happens. I don't have a transition for this, but I sent you a video today. You did send me a video. It's nine minutes long. Did you watch the Wait, video? hang on. Were we not going to do Spider-Man then this? Okay, let's do Spider-Man. Let's do Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, okay. Right. So Spider-Man didn't have a title. And then yesterday, Zendaya, the kid who plays Ned, and Tom Holland all released fake titles. And then today, they released the real title. The real title is Can't Go Home? Uh, No Way Home. No Way Home. Spider-Man, yeah. No Way Home. Which is fine. It's fine. I mean... It's a generic superhero subtitle movie subtitle spider-man homecoming spider-man far from home spider-man no way home sure it like completes the thing uh i i feel like kind of broken i think because i just don't have like any patience anymore for any of this shit i'm just like tell me what the movie's about like send me show me a trailer (laughs) like i'm so desperate to just like get on with it I, i don't know there's something wrong with me maybe i this level of not knowing what's happening it's called growing up no, but it's like I, I want to have fun with this, but like I'm also so desperate for con. Like in this weird way, like I know we're about to get more Marvel Universe content than we've ever had before in one year. We're going to get so much, but I'm also just like desperate for like real details about what any of these movies are about. 
Yeah, I would I would love some sort of information about it. And I but also I'm like it is the it is coming out in December this year and there are three Marvel movies before that and I think three TV shows as well. So which is an outrageous amount of content. Falcon Winter Soldier comes out basically two weeks uh, two weeks, three weeks after WandaVision, and then like two weeks, three weeks after that comes out Loki. Yeah. That's that's so much movies. That's so much content. That's just it's just And then we have Black Widow and then we have Shang-Chi and then we have Eternals and then we have Spider-Man. Like it's an awful lot of Marvel content to happen this year. I feel bad for Black Widow cuz like that movie I was kind of <sighs> like when they announced it I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool. Like I'll watch that." And now I'm just like, "I okay, like it's a whole different It's coming out in May. It's probably going to be the first movie I watch in a cinema in 2 years. I'm going to love that movie. I mean, that is going that is going to like have a special place in my heart forever. I'm pretty confident. Yeah. I I I don't know. I think I got I think maybe once I'm in the theater and I can like I can like get back into like the feeling of society again, maybe I'll feel differently, but right now my life is so devoid of like stimuli that like these movies aren't even like relaxing to me. I'm just like stressed out about what's going to be in them. And like, when is Reed Richards going to show up? And when is the X-Men going to show up? And it's like, it's consuming me. I think you think about Reed Richards too much. Dude, it's all I'm thinking about right now. The only thing that I'm thinking about is Reed Richards, which sucks because Reed Richards isn't even that fun of a character. He's just like a stretchy asshole. Like, ah, um, okay. Did you watch the nine minute video that I sent you? I did. Okay. I wish I hadn't. Okay, so this was sent to me this morning by Twitter user FZ Han. I would typically like play it the whole thing and have like Luke react to it, but as I said, it's nine minutes long. It's titled America Endgame Two Soul of the Nation. It was created by John Han Dem Petit, who made the viral Joe Biden Endgame clip. But this one <laughs> It's nine minutes and 45, 47 seconds long. And it is so long. It is unbelievable how inappropriate it gets. <laughs> it is the it's, most problematic piece of media I've watched in so long. No one's going to take our democracy away from us. Avengers! Assemble. It is, I mean, it's it's like the original that someone made, which seems to be seemed to have been sincere. No, this guy made taking, it. Right, but it was the same guy. It's the same guy. I looked it up. It's the same guy. Oh, oh, okay. So he made a nine-minute version. This seems to be then he's just doing it by act. Like, this is a troll then. Dude, I've read interviews with him. He's totally genuine about, like... That is just good trolling, though. I, I, I'm I, beginning to wonder if there are even trolls, Luke. This is this is shaking my, <laughs> this is shaking my very concept of the internet because, like, I don't think you could be good enough at trolling to make this on purpose. I think you can only make this if you just... This is what so, you like. somewhere, so somewhere, somewhere out there, there is genuinely a guy who's really struggling with his candle bills. Yes, I think there really is. I think all of Drill's t- tweets are real. So this nine-minute version has a lot more stuff in it, uh, including like a kind of upsetting sequence where Trump as Thanos just like berates hunter biden for a while and i know that these are real clips from trump but like still very bothersome to me um 
And then yeah, because because Thanos is you know is right, which you know. <laughs> no, he's not. We, we've decided the content minds are boyfriends with Hunter Biden. We decided this several months ago. Um, no, no, no. We're on Hunter Biden's side, but we're also on Thanos' side, which is why it makes it so uncomfortable. You're on Thanos' side, and I want to be very right, clear: right, right. I am not on Thanos' side. <laughs> but what? But the just like the politics of this and the Elon Musk stuff in the extended version is outrageous. Yeah, I mean, which again is the kind of stuff that makes it feel like, oh, maybe this is genuine because it's the sort of person who would idolize Elon Musk in this way. I think so. I think all of this is real. And that's like very upsetting to me um, that this person is walking the earth like like freely. They're just allowed to like vote and drive. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, thank you. Uh Thank you very much, FZ Han, for sending me that. My face just like melted watching it this morning. I was deeply upset. I mean, there, there was there were an awful lot of bits in it which were just extremely wrong. <laughs> like like the mechanics of the control of the Senate bit were crazy to me because it was essentially implying that the main takeaway from this was that Obama was somehow responsible for the control of the Senate, and it, I don't know. The whole thing was not. We also haven't talked right. about the the most inappropriate part of it, which appears six minutes into it, which is when uh, <laughs> Joe Biden, as Captain America, picks up Thor's hammer, which is then imbued with the power of Bo Biden. And then there's a flashback to Bo Biden's funeral. And then Bo Biden's face appears on the hammer and gives Joe Biden the power to defeat Thanos. Yeah, that's not. Oh, God. That, yeah, it, it is. It's. It's hard to believe that it's real, but also it feels like the sort of thing that someone who has spent far too much time like being marinated in an internet that is obsessed with pop culture signifiers over reality would deem appropriate or right in any way. Yeah. I mean, this, though, isn't even like a niche thing considering uh, – hold on. I got sent it this morning, and it's probably one of the worst tweets I've ever read. It's from Politico. You you know them, right? Sure. He might seem like a Slytherin in the Democratic Party's Hogwarts, <clears throat> but Joe Manchin's no on Nira Tandon doesn't necessarily mean he'll soon turn against nominees like Xavier Bracera and Deb Holland. At the moment, I mean, he is a maybe on both. There's a lot to unpack in all of that. <laughs> Calling, like, I want to say, oh, yeah, no, it's ridiculous that, you know, people would describe uh, Joe Manchin that way. Like, it's such an immature way to think of this. But the correct way to describe Joe Manchin is as a blue dog Democrat, which is no stupider. No, I mean, look, we're not bread tubers. Like, this isn't Chapo Trap House. But I think we can agree that, like, the Democrats aren't Gryffindor. <laughs> like, like, and that entire idea of thinking is completely insane like i'm sorry it's just not happening well i mean maybe though actually because harry potter does end up becoming like a cop at the end right yeah i mean essentially but like so the reason why they're called blue dog democrats and i, I happen to know this because i'm reading an awful lot of american history at the moment is that they are they're referred to as the the idea is is that they would they are they are so loyal to the democrats that he would vote for a dog before they'd vote for a republican um, really? Which is—is is that yeah, really why they're the, called that? That's why they're called that. Oh. And you know, it's they're blue because they're Democrats. So it becomes like the blue dog Democrats. Which, when you look at it, and you're like, so, so, 
this is no stupider than a Slytherin. Like, yeah, I would like say it's exactly as stupid. So it's, it's just it, all this stuff is is how old it is. And it's like, no, well, they're blue dog. He's like, he's a blue dog Democrat. No, no, no he's Slytherin. Who gives a shit? Like, he's a twat. I would say everyone who lives in Washington D.C. is a Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the? Uh, the history teacher this week who was extremely angry at his students for not knowing any history and mocking them. The guy on TikTok, was that real or is that yeah. fake? Helen Keller is the Nazi guy. No! What you... Nazi guy? I don't know. He like, he's like a terrorist. <laughs> Helen Keller is a Nazi terrorist that is a male. Is that what you're telling me right now? Yeah, I'm going to write Helen Keller here. Yeah. Right? No. Are you thinking of Hitler? Who's Hitler? Who's Hitler? Who is Hitler? Oh. I don't know. I, I actually didn't dig into it, whether or not it was fake. Like, an awful lot of people said it was fake, but I, I kind of bought it as being vaguely real. But my main concern about that would be, yeah, he's a history teacher. And the fact that he's mocking <laughs> his students for not knowing any history, te- history is, is, is a problem for, to me. Yeah, the whole thing just felt like a setup. <sighs> now, see, now you've said that, I can't get it out of my head. And I think you may be right, but I actually don't have any proof because i i feel like i've seen stuff close to this so frequently i mean it sounds really dark but the the reason it made me feel like it was fake is because one of the kids claims to not know who hitler is and like gen z knows who hitler is <laughs> yeah like that entire yeah. ra- that entire generation is so totally radicalized they know who hitler is <laughs> okay yeah no I found this. I found this guy's profile. Yeah, no, this is fake. Okay, okay, fine. Scratch that. Okay. Uh, however, it remains pretty terrifying that pe- so many people would say, "I can't believe these people are so stupid, and this teacher is so uh, smart <laughs> that he has failed to teach them any history." I mean, that is, that is that is Gen Z's fault. There is this like really ugly, annoying, and like so played out thing where like millennials are like they're turning 35 and they want to like they want to either like pretend that gen z are like the smartest coolest kids in the entire world and maybe they'll let them like hang out with them or they're like they're all post-history lunatics who don't know anything and they only know how to touch smart pad and lie you know like they're just there's no like no one wants to just like normally talk about gen z like they're like they're 20 20 somethings like like they're just nor- like they're normal. Like I don't know. There's nothing particularly special about it. When the last week this entered um, British columnist discourse. Oh God. Yeah, but my main beef with it is that all the people talking about it are like 38, 39, 40, and being like, I can't believe the Gen Zers think that we're not cool anymore. And I'm like, you're not one of us. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, uh, hold on. I, it's, it's, I, I, I can understand the incentive that they want to be one of them in order to appear that they are still young and I'm like you're not I'm sorry you're actually you've actually aged out of this cohort but so I had to look this up the other day because <laughs> Alexei Navalny uh the uh <laughs> the Russian politician opposition candidate who just went to prison quoted yeah. Rick and Morty <laughs> in his like final yes. address and so I was like oh I wonder if he's a millennial and this would like explain why he's like quoting Harry Potter and Rick and Morty in court uh he's He's 44, and the age cutoff is about 40 for, for Gen X. So he's probably right. a Gen Xer. He's on the younger side. But, you know, if you're if you're under 40 right now and you're over, let's say, 24 or something, you're a millennial, you know. You know, I, I buy that they are millennials. It's just that it's, they are very much on the upper cusp of that. Yeah. And then to be like, 
yeah, no, I can't believe millennials like banning skinny jeans. And I was like, when was skinny jeans a thing when you were 20? Like, I, I also think, I don't think if, they were. If you're a columnist, especially in the UK, but I think also in America, you're automatically a boomer. You're a boomer. Yeah. You know, you're a boomer. Like you just can't, you can't ever be cool again. Um, and you don't get to enjoy art or have a say on culture. Like, cause you, you, you're a columnist. You know what I mean? Like you don't get to be, with, yeah. you don't be, you get to be cool anymore. Um, Unlike us podcasters who yeah. um, are... Like we're the top of the pyramid. In the pyramid where they, they have the big uh, Marxist class structure. <laughs> like everyone knows it's like substructure, uh, proletariat, bourgeoisie. Uh, and then eventually you, you arrive at the, the aristocrats and then um, podcasters. Oh, I was going to say like uh, gamma males, beta males, alpha males, sigma males out to the side parallel with alpha males. And then at the top of this hierarchy is podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what hierarchy is. Podcasters are at the top. Po- yeah. Of all, of all hierarchies, we're at the top. Yeah, I had beef with the Daft Punk sample loop that's been going around. Oh yeah. I, I was just talking about how cool it was. Okay. Well, this is interesting because you've been doing music and stuff because I think, you know, Daft Punk, good. I think we've probably agreed on that. Oh, yeah. They're good. Yeah. I, I support the fact that they've spent eight years not working and have now stopped doing that thing that they weren't doing. They're French. Like, of course they did it's that. It's extremely French. Yeah, they've, extremely been on strike French. For, they've been on strike for eight years and have now decided that they're not making music. Um, but the specific sample that was going around, uh, which was for One More Time, I think. Yeah. Basically took the original song, it went from sliced out the three bits that they used and then just played them next to each other. And like Daft Punk make a lot of use a lot of really pretty complicated samples. And that was a very simple sample. And then and the the kind of the gist of it being like, wow, look what they did to this sample. Isn't it amazing? It was kind of like, I feel like you're massively underplaying this by taking an extremely simple version of this. I see what you're saying. Okay, so it it is a simple sample. In fact, I was just talking about this in the Garbage Day Discord this afternoon. The if you if you really want to see some like insane sample work, I highly recommend looking up Fatboy Slim videos because Fatboy Slim every single sound that you're hearing is a sample, and it's like it, it's like a it's unbelievable what he's doing. The Daft Punk thing. If we're gonna if we're gonna do that, we should just go back to girl talk. I mean, I've seen. So okay, this is a true thing. Uh, the day that I drank six caffeinated four locos, um, I saw Girl Talk live and ended up on stage and was able to get a look at what Girl Talk does live. And this was like two thousand ten, and Girl Talk had like a very early version of I think Ableton and was doing mashups live. Like he was beat matching live. He is a, he is the real deal. He is incredible, and it is a shame. That copyright has basically just like disappeared him from culture because like Night Ripper is one of the most unbelievable things I've ever heard in my life. Anyways, okay. The, the Daft Punk sample is interesting because Daft Punk takes like a very simple thing, but then they tweak it in such a way that it is almost like it's it's there's nothing there's almost like no it doesn't sound like what it came from. I, mean, I think that's what's surprising to people is that like it's a sample that has been altered so simply and yet changed so drastically, and everyone's like, whoa, that's amazing. Because they revert, they basically they reversed it. That's that's what they did. I suppose I see that. I, I but yeah, I I don't know. I, I I still think looking at it, I'm like, you just kind of sliced some bits out and pushed it together. I mean, that's just that's electronic music. That's just all that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It felt like it. It felt like it was uh, just a really weird sample to be as wow, aren't they amazing? As 
than anything else. Like everyone knows the best Daft Punk video is the one where the French orchestra plays it to Macron and Trump. That is. That is the best one. Yeah. That is the and then the second yeah. best one is just the the anime one that they made. Just all the yeah. anime they made. because um, they're French and French people fucking love anime. So like They love anime and not doing their jobs. I and then and then quitting i really sympathize i really i you know i i really sympathize with the french um <laughs> to play us out is a is a youtube clip that my friend's son has become obsessed with it's about how to prevent dengue <laughs> and and her, that's good that's that yeah. seems useful and her son loves it i listen to it it's a bop uh so this is gonna play us out <laughs> Luke, what do you know about cryptocurrency? I mean, I know how it works. I know it's bad. I know it's it's it, it makes me groan every time I see it cross my screen or mind or phone or I find some in the street and pick it up and it says, <laughs> ah, a crypto. <laughs> I've I have one crypto, now I'm a billionaire. Um, <laughs> to I think describing how it works is probably a good place for us to start. So the way I typically describe it to people is that it's a puzzle that your computer does. And when it finishes the puzzle, it gets harder for the next computer to also finish the puzzle. And every time it solves the puzzle, it creates a new coin. And eventually it will finish completely. And then there'll be no more ability to make new coins. That's kind of how I describe it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who gave the metaphor. Um, but... I think the the best metaphor that anyone's ever come up for it is imagine if keeping your car idling 24/7 produced solved sudokus you could trade for heroin. Uh yeah, that's uh that's actually a really good good way to put it. Um the the carbon emission Oh, that's 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 a tweeter whose uh username is Groverhouse. Oh, okay, cool. That's a good tie in to the <laughs> the, the content mines lore. Um Yeah. So Groverhouse is correct. Uh it is a horrible, horrible scourge on the environment. <laughs> it is it's it's really bad. I think like last week uh it was announced that Bitcoin, just Bitcoin, is using as much energy as Argentina, the entire country. Yeah, and the most infuriating thing about this is that there will be people who I was, I, was, I was gonna say there are people who hear this. As I understand no one listens to this, that's that's why we do it. What our podcast? Uh, but it yeah, yeah. If no people listen to it, yeah, exactly. If people listen to it, some of those people statistically be Bitcoin people who would say, "Oh no, actually, Bitcoin is good for the environment because it uses so much energy; it forces more renewables to come online, which is nonsense." It's it's, it's like you know, <laughs> it's the bulletproof backpack theory of school shootings. That's what that is. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like look, look at how many school sh- look at all the bulletproof backpacks we've had to produce it's, it's been great for our economy it's been great yeah um yeah and that's definitely part of it and i think the reason why the the this sounded kind of crazy i think when people first started talking about it but it it's beginning to feel more and more accurate which is that bitcoin is probably like the money we'll use in space <laughs> that seems to be kind <laughs> of where this is going and elon musk is like buying a lot of bitcoin because of that um my my personal journey with bitcoin started 10 years ago when me and my roommate mine we mined some bitcoin in my apartment and then we lost it yeah um 
RIP could have I could have been a billionaire. Uh, but then last year, my dad. Wait, wait. How how did you lose it? Did you did you sell it or did you just like drop the hard drive in the trash? We I think had about eight Bitcoin, and I want to say that we put it in Mount Gox, which was the original place that you could yep. put your Bitcoin online. And Mount Gox was constantly getting hacked. And I believe we just lost it in one of the hacks. Um, something at one point, like a huge chunk of users lost all their stuff. Cause like, you know, 10 years ago, there was just, there's nothing you could spend a Bitcoin on other than like assault weapons and LSD. And there was nowhere, <laughs> nowhere to keep it. It was, uh, it was non, it was warlord money. Like there was nothing to do with it. That is very different now. Well, slightly different now. It's still yeah. warlord money, but it's definitely different now. And last year, my dad retired and started uh, buying Bitcoin. <laughs> and so that has been the start of my new journey. Uh, and so a couple months ago, I started trading Bitcoin with him because I want to keep an eye on what he's doing as he gets older. Because we're entering the years where like he's going to start getting goofy real quiet. And we're not going to know like something's wrong until it's too late. Right. So you've decided to copy him <laughs> no i'm monitoring his activity by also <laughs> trading bitcoin um right. but it's been i mean it's actually been useful uh we talked about it in our previous episode about the gamestop but like i do think there is some value in understanding how the internet is changing economics and like i didn't understand how economics worked before the internet so the least i can do is like get up to speed on how the internet's changing them you know what i mean okay yeah so do you do you know anything about the the like the like race to make like NFTs? Have you heard this term? I've not heard the term NFTs. Okay, stands for. Oh wait, is this non fiat money? Non fungible token. Okay. So basically, when you hear like, oh, people are buying animated gifs for Ethereum, or people are like selling tweets for Bitcoin. Have you heard any of the, or yeah. like Nike is starting their yeah, own. No, for yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. That's a non-fungible token. So in, in like crypto parlance, um, I want to be able to like explain it as simply as possible because it's really, really complicated. But basically it's like if a piece of the internet was unique and you could not copy it and you could prove that you owned it. So instead of like, it's a unique digital asset, which Okay, so it's like if you had like a piece of paper with a number on it that told you how much it was worth and then a unique serial number that told you that it was the only version of this. And maybe you could include some sort of like non-fraud system in it, like a watermark, some sort of special ink that meant that it couldn't could be copied by machines, like, I don't know, uh, money. Yes, but this is online. But the thing, but the thing about non fungible tokens, which is exciting, especially as someone who like grew up during the piracy era, is that like all digital assets right now can be copied. If you spend enough time and energy, you can basically duplicate anything digital. Which means it's really hard to like have any worth. Like that's why all of our shit is locked behind DRM nonsense and subscription bullshit. Like yeah, that because like Netflix, if they didn't, like everyone would just steal all their videos. So like you have to like lock it behind this wall garden a non-fungible token though is a unique piece it, it's not even currency it's like a unique piece of data that uh typically you just have a qr code with it that's that's all it is so like people are doing really stupid goofy shit right now like selling cartoon cats and like selling like zombie pictures and all kinds of dumb stuff with nfts but the technology i think is really exciting because like you know you could you could actually own digital assets that are worth something. 
for the first time truly like it's a it would mean that you could download something and it couldn't be pirated which you know seems bad but then also it means that like we don't have to subscribe to shit anymore like we could just have something right but this is building towards what is relatively obviously a bubble because this stuff is meaningless now <laughs> like you could you can make a big argument about like what is a bubble like i would argue for example like art is effectively a bubble like, like wait, it is it is art like the whole thing of yeah, art like fine art fine art it, is it a is. bubble well, yeah fine <laughs> yeah, as well. same with wine same with all of this stuff that is is broadly collectible now it is worth as much as it is because people have agreed that that is how much it's worth sure like that's that's how the market works you know spider-man is very it's relatively simple the problem with this stuff is that it is the same except that it does not have that historical weight of this is worth money so you're essentially betting on something continuing to have an agreed upon value extended into the future yes that is true and it gets really goofy because like you can make endless amounts of cryptocurrency like i'm sure you've heard the term altcoin if anyone listening has heard it and they don't know what it means it's like basically you take the technology that runs something like bitcoin and you spin it off and make your own thing so dogecoin for instance is uh a joke altcoin that someone made after the doge meme well, I think I think what's I think what's interesting is that Bitcoin has a specific characteristic that is different to other like NFTs, which is that it is finite. It is finite, and that's incredibly important. Like because the same principle works of you know it's why gold was 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 the standard for so long because it was a finite amount and therefore it couldn't be manipulated in the same way. And that probably works with Bitcoin. And I think that you know once something like Bitcoin has been dominant, you know, there's a reason that you know gold was the dominant form and we didn't also say but also platinum is what we're using to back our currency right it's stuck as gold and you can make relatively strong arguments about that uh particularly if you're if you're uh, william jennings brian <laughs> but we're not so. right it's it's also um, why i'm kind of the least interested in bitcoin because to me it's just digital gold and i find nothing interesting about like mercantilism like i just don't find that very interesting ethereum though i do find interesting because ethereum is kind of like what if you built a currency off of the protocol that runs email it's like it's an it's a network of decentralized nodes it it it, it does something other than just exist as currency which I, and and it also supports like all kinds of crazy payment systems it's a cool thing it's a cool project and that's what i think like gets really lost in all the conversations about about blockchain because like everyone who talks about it is a like a sanctimonious blowhard and i hate listening to them and they like are the scourge of tech conferences but the technology is cool because like we need it and it's it's interesting it's like a way of like verifying and encrypting and transferring data that kind of puts control back in people's hands which i appreciate but it also is a massive magnet for like craven nerds who just want to like speculate wildly and gamble with internet points you know what it reminds me most of What's that? Torrents. Well, because it, it works kind of with the same idea. Yeah, it's it's a, uh, a globally distributed network that's held securely. It's not held securely in a single like place. But it, it also really reminds me that just because, you know, torrents were when the, the invention of torrents was like one of those things which is a lot more seismic than we probably give it credit for. It's incredible. Uh, like it, it was, I'm trying to remember the guy who invented Bram Cohen, I think, wrote the first torrent stuff. Um and, you know, someone invented this and it became a way that you could not put the downloading uh, genie back in the bottle. Like it was it's distributed, it's gone, it is fine. And it then means that if you want to 
be a company that has control over their own creative assets, you then need to find a way to distribute them digitally uh, or distribute them in a way that, you know, makes sense uh, that it's not going to be um, pirated. Uh, which, you know, is why we have streaming services now. Like, and, you know, they're locked down behind DRMs because someone found a way around it. And it was just, okay, we can't put the genie back on the wall. And blockchain reminds me a lot of that because it is a, a clearly a good technology. Like, it's a fundamentally good technology. Yeah. But I think it's being used in a an essentially pointless way right now. Yeah, I mean, it is. Like, it's... It, but then the other thing, and, like, I have I've sat with my dad and had these conversations many, many times. And, like... The, the the point that's worth making is that like there's so much money invested in Bitcoin right now. I think it just reached like a trillion dollar valuation finally. Right. That like for it to like suddenly stop being worth any money is like it would be catastrophic. <laughs> like it would we've we've sort of already reached a point with it that like at least for our lifetime, I sort of feel comfortable saying like it's going to keep going up in value until it reaches no 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 no, no. because it's not that it reaches zero in value meet overnight it's that it reaches 900 billion and 800 billion and 700 billion and people are taking that money out right right like that's that's the thing if we're looking at bitcoin and saying it is worth this much in us dollars then bitcoin's failed right exactly i would agree and i actually also think bitcoin as a project has failed like i don't actually yeah, think like I, I've spoken to like some pretty interesting people, like some non-lunatics in the crypto community, as I've like tried to like learn more about this. And like the thing about it that really just stops me up every time that is like I just don't understand how you can keep speculating on a currency. Like if it's a real currency, if it's a currency that we're going to use, you can't. You the value can't just change constantly. Like it dropped. It, it dropped. <laughs> have you heard? Have you heard of the concept of currency? No, I have, but at the same time, like. There, there needs to be some sort of stability to, to use it or like you just hoard it, you know? Well, this is the problem. It has become a thing that rather than what should have happened is if the early people had, I don't know, put limits on how much you'd use so you could, you know, a time or you, or you could hold at a time. But instead, it's become a thing where, you know, a small number of people ended up holding an awful lot. It's become incredibly unevenly distributed, which means it makes no sense for anyone to spend it or buy anything with it or or do anything with it which means it has become essentially an investment thing which is why it feels like a bubble like i feel like there could be a currency based on the blockchain i don't think it's bitcoin i don't either like bitcoin is just tulips again and i think that's also why like a lot of countries particularly ones with warlords in them are looking and dictators are looking at a way to create their own cryptocurrency china is really interested in creating a cryptocurrency and i sort of think that like most currency will become cryptologic cryptographical in the future i just don't think bitcoin is the one i don't think that's it yeah i i think i'd agree and i think you know there are other things that could be done practically with it i mean there was a period during the brexit talks when it got very stuck that someone suggested putting the northern irish border on the blockchain what the fuck does that even mean it's a great question <laughs> no, no one knew even no one knew but it distracted everyone for like 12 hours see, see that's the thing I, okay I, i'll never forget this i was I was at a tech conference in Lisbon, like back when conferences were a thing and back when I went to them and I was like at a bar and I was like pretty drunk because it's a tech conference and I was leaving the bar and there's these people outside like handing out flyers and this guy was like, would you like to learn more about how you can bring blockchain to run your cities of the future? And I was like, motherfucker, do I look like a mayor? And also, what does that even mean? (laughs) I'm going to put my city on the blockchain. I mean, that being said, I kind of know what it means because like. 
Estonia, for instance, they have a really cool blockchain based like citizenship program that like connects all of your like legal records into this encrypted peer to peer network that you can't break into. And it's a very cool project. And I think that like smart countries will start investing more into that technology. But like right now, it just seems like such a moonshot. Right. But this is it. Like the blockchain technology as, okay, this is a super secure system super secure distributed system makes a huge amount of sense like for exactly that purpose like citizen records yes great i have my citizen records everyone can access the bit of my citizen records they need to access i can go to the hospital and they can say oh yeah no we have your medical records obviously america this doesn't apply but you know dude we don't even have hospitals like come on like, we've got nothing <laughs> yeah. but no that makes that makes a huge amount of sense and I, I i you know i like that concept of it i don't understand why you would do it with money. Like it was, it's the exact thing of just being like, well, we should just talk about this more. But as a result of like trying to get it out there in a popular way, it's ended up just as this nightmare of speculation, essentially. It's just rampant speculation and it will go round and round and round and it will keep going up for a long time. Right. And I, I, I don't know if that'll ever be a, a true back crash to zero, but like I, maybe. I don't know. So I asked this exact question to uh, Niraj uh, Agrawal. He's like the he's the director of communications for like one of the largest crypto think tanks in America. Uh, they're called Coin Center. Um, really good dude. He likes uh, he likes garbage days. So like I you know <laughs> that's cool. And so we we I interviewed him. We, and I asked him this exact question. I said like what what why like what is this why? And he makes he made a really good point that has sort of stuck with me, which is like right now. If I wanted to give you $5, let's say we were both Americans and I wanted to sure. give you $5, I could give you five physical dollars and nobody would know about it. If I wanted to send you $5 digitally, it would have to go through two, three middlemen. If you didn't have Venmo, I might have to make a PayPal account or I'd have to sync my bank account with your PayPal account. Or There's really no frictionless way to to exchange money digitally, but there absolutely should be, because why wouldn't there be? It doesn't make any sense why there wouldn't be. But there isn't. And so the most secure way to do that, the most secure way to build that technology and to open source that technology and give people access to the ability to to, to, to give money to each other digitally is blockchain. Like there's that's the most secure and most encrypted way to do it. And he's one of these people who isn't like a massive like crypto anarchist who but he just he believes that like we should have that technology and people should have access to it. And I I think that's fairly reasonable because it's like, why not? I mean, maybe, but I think the idea of frictionless money exchange is a, I don't know, it's a solution in search of a problem. I don't fundamentally believe that as a major issue. Like, I don't have a problem spending money. I don't have a problem getting money between two people. Like, there are an awful lot of systems set up for this. Anonymous money exchange, I mean, Maybe I can I can see how that there's yeah like what if you wanted to buy place. like a bunch of assault weapons and some cocaine yeah that's true uh, I would I that, that's what Bitcoin's for um I don't know I think okay here's where I think Bitcoin is at there was a period in the 18th century in America where there were no set there was no universal constant for what money was right. And so there were a ton of regional banks. So what you'd have is, you know, you, you, you'd go to a bank in uh, Kansas and say, hey, I have this note from a bank in New York. And they'd have a ledger and they'd get out the ledger and be like, yes, this is a good bank. We trust this. This $1 note from this bank in New York is worth $1 in, in Kansas. And others, they'd be like, ooh, that's 80 cents. We think that bank's gone. It might have already gone since you traveled here because you've been right. on the road for a few days. And we haven't got the notification yet. 
Um, and so that's kind of what it is, where it's like, it's not truly trustworthy money. It's kind of like, it's sort of, sort of like money. And, you know, in the case of the US, it eventually figured like, okay, we're going to have a national bank and we're actually going to build various real banks. I don't see why that happens with Bitcoin, because I don't see why companies would put their money there, as opposed to in government-backed bonds. Like, essentially, you need the biggest banks in the world, which are essentially, essentially the Amer- America and the EU, yeah. America and the big European banks, to put their money in Bitcoin. And there's no reason for them to do that, because they would only... Doing that would... Well, it would minimize the amount of power they had, aside from anything else. Right. And if you follow the history of the world as... as you know, the flows of power, why would they give up power where they have, they are the big banks, they own everything and can control other countries through their control of funds to go to Bitcoin and say, okay, now we're using this thing. Everyone has to come to there. And people go like, no, well, what, it doesn't make any, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. What if like all the banks were like, wow, I love Pepe the Frog memes. You guys are right. Let's invest in Bitcoin. It's possible. It is possible that all the all the bankers will be high at the same time, uh, but on but on on different drugs than the drugs they're high on now. Yeah, like you know, they'll switch away from cocaine and they'll start doing party drugs and be like, okay, I actually like this. I I've like got this. To work. This is cool. Post lo- post lockdown, they've all been working from home. Uh, they've been experimenting a bit. They've moved out from cocaine and meth, and they're now like, yeah, no, I've taken MD and like uh, a lot of weed and also LSD. And do you like my glasses? They have they have pastel rims. Uh, and then they will all move to Bitcoin and Pepe the Frog memes. I think we just need to get the heads of every major banking institution in one room, put on some Joe Rogan, light a fat <laughs> blunt, and just be like, all right, here's how the blockchain works, guys. <laughs> but this is, I mean, this is it, though, is that the extent of the transfer you need into it is so huge that it would destabilize it just incredibly rapidly because. Like a thing that I also think a lot about with this is Elon Musk's. Yeah, we're gonna put Teslas in every. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put Bitcoin in every Teslas, and you can all buy your Tesla with a Bitcoin, and we've put some Bitcoin in your Bitcoin in your Tesla or whatever the hell he was doing. Now, because he was doing that, he then basically bumped the price of Bitcoin for a while, right? Which is not a money or a source or investment. Anyone who's actually has to trust the money that they're giving out would do. And also, simultaneously, like, there is another issue here, which is that the whole entire point of money is that it's actually not finite. Like, there is not a finite amount of money anymore. Like, it's not gold back for many good reasons. We used to have that idea, uh, in, and it caused lots and lots and lots of wars and genocides. Yes. <laughs> we believed so that there was fact- only so much money in the world, and then we committed countless amounts of genocide. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so this is kind of what it comes down to, and why I think that the idea that, oh, Bitcoin can be money is that, like, no, no, we try to get away from fiat currency. Like, you know, there are arguments both sides, but they are broadly on the side of we should not be running on gold anymore. And it gives, you know, the opportunity to make investments, the opportunity for banks to give out loans that can can make business and business both small and large run. And it doesn't make any sense to switch that to a limited amount of currency. In sh- what I'm saying is you shall not crucify mankind upon a cross of Bitcoin. Which is, which is my William Jennings Bryan quote. <laughs> that, I, that was very good. Um, I, I do want to point out a few things here just uh, just to add some journalistic weight to this. So uh, you mentioned Tesla. Uh, this week, an analyst at Wedbush, his name is Daniel Ives, uh, claimed... No relation to Johnny? 
Uh, I assume. I assume it's the same 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 family. I don't know. No, same family. <laughs> um, he he believes that Tesla's share price is now basically just the value of Bitcoin because of how much Tesla has purchased. Um, and that's according to a CNBC article. I'll link to it in our show notes. And then the other sort of mystery happening in the in the crypto world right now is that so whales are people who buy like a huge amount of a stock or an investment or crypto and there are bots that follow crypto whales i follow a few it's really interesting you'll just get see a tweet that's like a whale has purchased x amount of millions of whatever there is a dogecoin whale no one knows who the dogecoin whale is people believed that it was elon musk but it's looking more and more likely that he wasn't the Doge uh, whale. And the newest rumor is that it's Robinhood, which is sort of like the Facebook of stock investing. It's the super controversial like stock app that like caused all the bullshit with GameStop. But it's it's interesting. That, oh, and then the, the, the final piece of this is Jack Dorsey from Twitter, who is like obsessed with Bitcoin and obsessed with cryptocurrency. And there's just... <laughs> There are there are weird forces happening and it's like this weird thing where like even though like I'm in this world because like I've got some money in, in crypto and I'm like trying to learn about it with my dad and I'm trying to like bring it into my reporting but it's this weird thing where like even if I was ignoring it there is this like weird shift happening with the way we think about these things and like it's becoming more common the technology is becoming easier to talk about it's it, people are putting serious weight behind it there's like actual money going into this and like I don't know what the other side looks like, and I'm I've been trying to figure it out. Like if you read my newsletter, like I mention it, I try not to be annoying about it, but like I, I'm trying to figure out what's happening here because something does feel like it's happening. Yeah, I know I, I do know what you mean. It is it is different to how it has been before, but I also don't know if it's it's that thing of trying to just figure out whether it's like a movement of ten percent or a movement of a hundred percent. Yeah, I don't want to get too Adam Curtis here. But it does feel like <laughs> something is uh, going on. Uh, we can put like a song underneath this where it's like, there are forces out of our control that are moving the systems that govern our world in drastic and different ways. Wait, I can't really... Can you do an Adam Curtis impression? But they didn't know the systems that they set up were in fact already working against them. Okay, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put some massive attack under that. That'll be good. Uh, or it's not massive attack. No, it's not massive attack. He uses it's um um. Oh God! I'll make my own. I'll make my own Adam Curtis music, and I'll put it underneath. He, I mean, he does work with Massive Attack, but there's someone specific that he uses an awful lot, and I, it's going to annoy me that he burial. That's who it is. Burial. Burial. Okay. He uses burial a lot. I'll make it. I'll make an original burial track, and I'll put it underneath your Adam Curtis impression. My last question for you, Luke, is um, how much of your life savings will you be putting into cryptocurrency? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, yeah, both of them. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, an, as, an, as, a, as a millennial, I, I, all the life savings. Like, <laughs> How much of that sweet, sweet podcaster money are you going to invest in Bitcoin? <laughs> no, I haven't put anything into it just because, like, I, I, I don't, I, like, I really don't like doing market stuff. Yeah. Like, any sort of active thing makes me really, really uncomfortable. Uh, like, in part because I, I used to play poker a lot, like when I was when I was a lot, lot younger, oh. uh, and I was okay at it, but. You know, I was just, I, I don't know, it's, it's not a thing that I want to do. Yeah, I i have definitely learned some things about my own self-control while doing this. Um, oh, wow. Do you not have self-control? Are you someone who is like easily distracted and over-enthusiastic about things? Because that, that surprises me. Me? No, no. I'm extremely <laughs> skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> 
say, Luke, have you consumed any content this week to stay sane? Uh, I really like the new Hold Steady album. It's so good. I don't want to be two guys in their 30s with a podcast time for the Hold Steady, <laughs> but it's so good. It's really good. It's fun. It's also the Hold Steady is a band that has caused has caused me some emotional turmoil during the pandemic because uh they had a gig on like March 3rd or something that I was going to go to and then I couldn't like I couldn't find the tickets I had something else to do and I was like it's yeah. fine whatever I'll, I'll get a gig later uh and that was the last gig that I didn't go to before lockdown which I deeply deeply regret that is that I that is uh, unfortunate I I'm a big Hold Steady fan because they sing all of their songs basically take place like along one highway that I grew up on. Um, <laughs> and like even Craig Finn's earlier band Lifter Puller has songs that were written like about where I went to college outside of my home state. So like his entire like discography is just like tracking um it's called I-95, uh, but basically, and Route 1. Like, those two highways in America, all of his songs take place on them. Um, yeah. And I have not liked New Hold Steady stuff at all. Basically, since uh, Boys and Girls in America and uh, Stay Positive, I think it was, um, I just really haven't liked anything. Yeah. And then this one, I was like, this is this is so good. Like, it's just so good. I mean, I think Craig Finn is such a good lyricist, and the fact that he can't sing Makes it the whole thing quite endearing. Can you do a Craig Finn impression? Uh, it's like um, she had bl- she had black hair and she hung out on the water tower. She tried to uh, always drive her car with rollerblades on. <laughs> that's that's Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm Craig Finn of the whole steady. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I know. But the new album is really good. All uh, the kids I, were uh, drinking really... jankum underneath the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I don't think actually, I don't think when you're in London, we ever went to. Uh, the, there's a bar in Camden, and the name of which I was, is escaping me right now. But it's one of the worst places in. It's one of the worst bars in in in, in London. In fact, um, Finns is it? Uh, oh, Are you crap, talking sorry, about I mean, the place we... across the? It's like up the street from Underworld. Uh, I mean, a lot of places are up the street from Underworld. No, I used to live like. Quins, Quins, Quins. No, I don't think I ever did. Oh uh, yeah, awful pub. Uh, it was where I saw out the London riots. Uh, but Craig Finn, it's apparently Craig Finn's favorite pub in London. Hold on, and he always goes to this one truly awful pub. Wait, wait. We did go to Quins. You and I went to Quins. Okay, this is that sounds right because I I assumed I would have at some point said like we should go there. It was awful. This is without question the worst bar I've ever been to in my entire life. I I, yeah. I have just Googled it, and the red interior <laughs> physically pained me. This It is the ugliest bar on the outside I've ever seen. It is like bright yellow and blue, and then the inside is bright red, and it is sticky and gross, and I have been to this bar with you. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, but no, it's, it's apparently Craig Finn's favorite bar in, in- – in London. Hey, I would pay a hundred dollars. Incredibly funny. I would pay. I would pay a hundred. I would pay a hundred <laughs> Bitcoin right now to go to this pub. This horrible, disgusting pub. I would, I would pay an awful lot of money to go to this pub. Or just, oh god, I need to go to a pub. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. What? Uh, so yeah. How about you? What? Ha- what content have you consumed to stay sane? Uh. Okay. So. Um. I got to a point with the Pokemon Sword for Nintendo Switch where I was like, I don't enjoy playing this anymore. I've collected like all the stuff that I want to collect without completing the Pokedex. Like, I'm tired, but I still like had the the Pokemon urge. Okay. And so I follow the Digimon subreddit, and uh, they talk about this game. It's a Digimon game 
all the time and it was uh there's two of them and they both went on sale on the Nintendo store. It's a uh, Digimon Cyber Sleuth and there's two of them. And they are the it is the worst game. It is it is just a it is a poorly translated disaster of a game. It uh it is awful. But okay. I can run around and I can collect virtual monsters and I can make them fight and I can grow them up into bigger virtual monsters. And that is all I want to do right now. So it is totally scratching <laughs> that itch for me where like I can collect like my Patamon and I can like digivolve him into Angemon and like I can just like keep hitting that dopamine switch where I capture a new monster and grow him into a different monster. Um and so right. that's so what I'm is, at. Yeah, it's essentially just kind of turning around the the same it's 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 as like all really good mobile games where it just kind of lets you do the same thing. It's just grinding essentially. I can. It's like it's like a gotcha mechanic. So like, it's kind of random which which Digimon you even get. You run around, you fight, you do the same things over and over again. You turn your brain off. Uh, it's very very peaceful. Um, really enjoy it. <laughs> can't can't say enough, enough about Fair how bad enough. it is, but it is it is a very enjoyable experience. So that's that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> cool. That sounds good. That sounds good. Um. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you head over to patreon.com slash the content minds, there'll be, uh, there's a post there that uh, for paying subscribers, you can jump into the discord. It's a really fun place. Also uh, you'll get access to me and Luke's side project, which is post post credit scene. Uh, we are currently marathoning the fast and the furious movies. I had some questions last week about um where you could access that. So that's where that is. Uh, we'll have an episode about Too Fast and Furious coming out next week. And then I wanted to address uh, last week's episode um, and not make so much of a correction as much as I wanted to make an update. Um, so last week's episode, we talked about Slate Star Codex, which is a really big blog in a community known as The Rationalists. Um, we published our episode. We spoke to... Um, Basically, the guy who wrote the book on the community. It was actually the most research we've done for an episode in a very long time. I, I, Luke even read the whole book. is very impressive. Yeah, and it was good because we were able to bring someone else in who'd done you know, the real work on it. Yeah, it's, it was cool. It's a good episode, and I think you should check it out if you're interested in that community. But I do want to bring up an update, which is that we had talked about the group's ties to fascism, and we had talked about the group's sort of like love of eugenics and, and sort of try to talk about it with a nuanced look and try to, you know, get you the whole picture. Um, basically after we published um, emails leaked out from the author of Slate Star Codex and it's just some really nasty shit about eugenics and about race realism. And it's one of those things where it's extremely complicated and endlessly uh, like it's like a rabbit hole that just doesn't end. Um, so uh if you listen to our episode from last week and you want to like seek out more of that stuff, you absolutely should. We don't cover it in our episode because it's like really, really complicated and uh, just goes on forever. But I wanted to acknowledge that that is out there. And I don't think it totally like jars with our depiction of the site, but like it's definitely like a, an angle that, you know, if we had recorded it this week, it would have been in the episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing with this, which is very much it comes from the idea that that. 
you know, I did literature. The idea of the death of the author is, is is a real thing. The idea that, you know, you can read his stuff and take what he says at face value and say, okay, this is what I understand. But if it then turns out they have different things, it puts a different context on, on what you're doing and you can't necessarily divorce it from the author, which I think last week we print based essentially did and said, okay, we'll take this at face value. Uh, we are, there are plenty of things we disagree with here, but the things that have come out since then have suggested that they are, us taking it at face value was, I don't know about naive, but certainly is something that, you know, we we now would pay a, a different attention to. Yeah, like I would tell Tom to his face that he's a fascist this time. Yes, yes. I, would, I mean, I did that. I ran into him in the park uh, over the weekend and I did that. <laughs> you recently, shouted at him? So. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yelled, okay. yelled everything from, from like a socially distanced distance, okay. but yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, one of our uh, listeners sent uh, sent me the emails like after our episode went live, and they had a really funny take. I wanted to read it. Um, I won't blow up their spot by naming them, but it was a really funny series of messages where oh, um, <laughs> so they they sent me the whole thing, and we got into a conversation about it, and it was re- it was a really good conversation. And then they wrote, uh, so then I said, um, you know, we'll definitely mention it on the show, and we'll add a little addendum to it. And then they wrote, you could also literally never talk about it again. And that would be pretty okay because like it's blog drama. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It just goes on forever. And, you know, it, I got, I got, yeah. I got more important things to do, like play Digimon and trade crypto. So <laughs> I feel like a huge part of this was, you know, a lot of this was blog drama. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And that's sort of what our episode focuses on. Cause that's, that's the kind of content we know the best. So we, we try to stay in our lane. Thank you guys for listening. Head over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash the content minds, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Cheers. Luke, they can't see you when you wave at the screen. Yeah, I know. I don't know why I did that. <laughs>